your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, good morning. We are 17 days away from Christmas Eve. 17 days. Yeah, time's a flying. Snuck up on us quickly. It sure did. In the longest year of our lives, somehow Christmas (laughs) Eve is sneaking up on us quickly. But that's what happens when you get into the fall and you get into football season. Because you wait all week for a game. The weekend flies by because you're watching college football on a Saturday. You're watching NFL football on a Sunday. Sometimes a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. You Uh never really know this year. (laughs) But once you have games, your weeks tend to fly by quickly. What a great weekend of sports and football it was. Er, And throughout the course of this show. We're going to talk about that with you. We're going to talk to our friend Dennis Dodd about what's going on with the possible separation between the Power Five football conferences and the NCAA. Blues forward Robert Thomas set to join us at 815. We're going to try to help you out a little bit if you're working at home and sore. Try to help you out at the bottom of this hour as well. But we get things started with football, Michelle, where the Cleveland Browns are going to have a winning season. Yesterday, they went to Tennessee and they just hammered the Tennessee Titans and they got their ninth win of the year. And congratulations, not only to the Browns, more importantly, to the fans of the Cleveland Browns who are long suffering. They held on for a 41-35 victory. That was an important game for the Browns for a lot of reasons, but I think it was a really important game for Baker Mayfield because people have have been up and down on him, and for good reason. There's some games where you think, wow, this is the guy that the Browns need to give an extension to and build around for the future, and there's other times where you think, I don't know. Is he really capable of being the guy? But going out, having a performance like he did yesterday, and being able to beat a strong team in the Titans was huge for Baker Mayfield. I think that might have been the best or maybe the most important game of his career. He was brilliant in the first half. Four touchdown passes as Cleveland built a 38-7 halftime lead. Starting out of the 25-yard line. They'll go with a bigger formation with three tight ends. Fake it. Mayfield sets the feet. He throws the deep ball. We've got separation. Downfield by himself. People Jones. Goodbye. Touchdown Browns. 75 yards on the line. Ian Eagle on CBS and Cleveland Michelle improves to nine and three. They look for all the world like a playoff team. And you mentioned how important that game was for Baker Mayfield. He was asked if his team is now elite. I haven't watched everybody else to, to really know what the complete team is. Uh, you know, we're just trying to improve week in, week out, and that's all that we can worry about. 
That's true. That's really all they can worry about is is week to week. And you have to give credit to their coach, Randy, Kevin Stefanski, for instilling that mentality in them because this is a team that seems to be responding to him and rallying around him. He's had great play calling. This is a team that had a lot of challenges. Well, really, you could say that about any football team this year. <laughs> but you have big injuries. Odo Beckham Jr., you, you obviously have COVID issues. And he's gotten this Browns team to a place where they need to be. And with the way that they played yesterday, you look at that team, Randy, they can be a tough out in the no playoffs. Doubt. Yeah, they're doing a lot of really good things. A team that's not doing many good things, Michelle, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. They lost to the Packers 30-16. to Carson Wentz 6-15 of for 79 yards before he was pulled in favor of Jalen Hurts. To the end zone. Touchdown! Jalen Hurts' first touchdown pass goes to Greg Ward. Hertz goes 5 of 12 for 109 and that touchdown plus an interception. And after the game, Doug Peterson would not commit to a starting quarterback. I wouldn't if I was him either, but you've got to take notice of the way the team responded when Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts was in the game. And I know that Carson has the contract and I know that he's a quarterback that at times in his career has looked sensational. And if you're the Eagles, it might not be a move that you want to make, knowing that you're going to have to pay him so much money moving forward. But, gosh, I just don't know how you don't go with Jalen Hurts moving forward. You drafted him for a reason. Yeah, and, and in the second round, it wasn't like this was a fifth round, you know, just throw away, let's see what this guy can do. You drafted him in the second round, and Carson Wentz, and... Hey, we can point out that he's been through a lot. Their offensive line has been decimated. The receivers have been decimated, but he isn't elevating people around him. He has been sacked at least three times in 10 consecutive games. And a lot of those sacks are because he doesn't get rid of the ball quickly enough. And he just looks like, as the late great Jim Hannafin would say about a quarterback, he looks discombobulated. And he, he needs to get back to a spot or maybe get to a spot where there is a quarterback coach that is more uh, in tune and, and a team that's more in tune with his talents. Which would be the play because I can't imagine that they part ways with him, Randy, because of the cap ramifications. Mm-hmm. If they cut him this offseason, it will cost Philly $59.2 million in dead cap money. Yeah, they'd have to cut some people to yeah. have him not playing for them. So you're not going to do that. So you, you might as well get somebody in there that can hopefully yeah. get him right. I'm sure yesterday, Michelle, at about 3 o'clock, a ton of Jets fans were thinking, we're going to blow this top pick in the draft. But never fear. Jets coming. Carr puts some air under it. Wide open is Rex for the touchdown. Miraculous. 46 yards as time expired. And for anybody that's ever played Madden, this was a zero blitz that Greg Williams did. He, The former Rams defensive coordinator, I think he still lives here in the offseason, rushed eight and covered with three. And two of those three were rookies. And one of those three, Lamar Jackson, no, not that one, the <laughs> undrafted free agent. Oh, allowed, the other Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, got it, got it. Allowed Henry Ruggs to get behind him for the game-winning 46-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, if you're a Jets fan and you think you're going to win that game, how bummed are you?
Oh, totally. We've been in those shoes. Oh, yeah. You don't want to win games. And this isn't just any game that you need to lose and any prospect that you're eyeing. This is Trevor Lawrence, Mm -hmm. who people are saying is going to be a once in a generation type NFL quarterback. This is a can't miss type guy. So to think that Jets fans in that moment were were so bummed out because they thought they were going to win the game is just the state of their season right now. If you're their owner, if you're their general manager, you're saying thank you, Greg Williams. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, how about Mizzou on Saturday? Unbelievable, Randy. This Mizzou team is unbelievable. Biggest comeback in the fourth quarter in program history. They were down 14, and with 47 seconds left, they allowed the lead touchdown to Arkansas. Arkansas takes a 48-47 lead on just a really unfortunate tip by a Mizzou defender into the hands of the the Arkansas receiver to give Arkansas the two-point conversion, 48-47. Mizzou takes over with 43 seconds left, and Connor Bazelak moves them into position for a game-winning 32-yard field goal by Harrison Mevis. And now Mizzou has won four out of five, and they have a record of five and two. And they're ascending. They're, if you ever saw a team that was on an upward plane, if you're watching Mizzou, you just see them getting better and better mm-hmm. and better and better. Yeah, they're they're improving every week. And in a weird year that a lot of coaches are going to use as an excuse, Eli Drinkwitz has gotten this team to this place during a pandemic, mm-hmm. dealing with COVID issues, dealing with schedule changes the week of the game. But whatever he's preaching to these players, they believe in him and they have rallied around him. And you're seeing a team in a, in a very short amount of time develop an identity. And you see Eli Drinkwitz putting together in a very short amount of time a little bit of a culture here at Mizzou. I am not a Mizzou football fan, so it's fun for me to watch them without an emotional tie, Mm -hmm. just from a a pure football standpoint, to watch what he's doing with this team. It's been incredible. But if you do have an emotional tie to this team, when's the last time that you have been this excited about a Mizzou football team? You might have to go back to 2014 when they went to the SEC championship game, because even though we started 15 with high hopes with Gary Pinkle, that one dissipated in a hurry. And Barry Odom never had a good start. It was always the stretch run where they got things going under Odom. So, yeah, we're looking at six years. Six years. And that game that they played this weekend, that's a game that previous Mizzou teams would have definitely found a way to to lose. Oh, yeah, they don't come back. They would have never come back, yeah. And they're doing it with a freshman quarterback and not a really uber-talented offensive line, inexperienced receivers. The two running backs are terrific. And they lost their best defensive player due to a targeting call on Saturday. Nick Bolton was out. And Mizzou, and they did allow 48 points, but they still won the game. And one other quick note here. We're going to talk to Robert Thomas, as we mentioned, at 8.15. But the NHL is looking at mid-January, a 52-56 to 56 game season that would start in mid-January. And the playoffs, Michelle, would end before we get to the Olympics, which is key because NBC mm-hmm. airs the Stanley Cup Finals and they also air the Olympics. Well, I'm glad to hear that some movement is being made and that they're figuring out the logistics. Now, let's just get a confirmation. Let's get a firm date and get this thing rolling. I want I want it to be January 15th. I want training camp to start January 2nd. They still do New Year's Day in Canada, right? Uh, I care <laughs> about the Canadian teams. I'm not going to see them this year. But yeah, start training camp on January 2nd. Start the games on January 15th, 16th, and let's get rolling. Let's go. And you'll hear it here on your Home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got our NFL Four Downs with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) 
Week 13 in the NFL. Still a few games left, a couple today and one tomorrow, but for our purposes, purposes it's times for four downs. First down. Randy, it's been a roller coaster of, this, of a season for New York Giants fans. They kicked off their 2020 campaign losing five in a row. They actually lost seven of their first eight games. And most Giants fans at that point in the season were focusing on the draft. They just thought, okay, this team's not going to be any good. But things have started to turn around for them. They won three close games in a row, but against the Washington football team, the Eagles, and the Bengals. So they came into their game yesterday as double-digit underdogs heading into a road game against Seattle. But what are you know, Randy, Joe Judge took his team across the country and they shocked everyone by beating Seattle 17 to 12 at Lumen Field. Still not used to that name. Still hate it, by the way. <laughs> but the Giants got just enough out of their backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. 13 completions, 105 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. But he didn't need to do much. They had a big game from Wayne Gallman, 135 rushing yards, strong defensive performance from the G-Men. And I'm not sure if this game says more about the Giants' turnaround or more about some of the questions we have about Seattle. But I do know that this is the Giants' fourth straight win, and they look like the favorite to win the NFC East. Now, they have a tough schedule at the end. They close out the season versus the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. But they probably just need one more divisional win to secure that division and a home playoff bid. So congrats to Joe Judge, who may have lost the battle when he got beat up by his offensive line coach, Mark Colombo. (laughs) But it seems like he's winning the war and that this team likes to go to battle for him. The Giants are performing the way you want a team with a first-year head coach to perform. You understand that as you implement a new system, especially without an off-season program and a training camp, that there might be a slow start. And lo and behold, they did have a slow start. But every coach talks about how we just want to get better day by day and game by game. And that's what they're doing. They're getting better slowly but surely. And they almost had, remember we talked about this after that Monday night game where they only lost to Tampa Bay by three and almost had them. Mm-hmm. So they, they could be at 500 theoretically right now, but winning four in a row after an 0-5 start shows me a lot about that team. And I think they're in for a pretty good future. They've got a pretty good staff. And like you mentioned, they did it with Colt McCoy out or as their quarterback yesterday, and he can't play. Uh, and Danny Dimes out. They And they aren't really super talented. I think this really bodes well for their future. It does. And here's their head coach, Joe Judge, Randy. He was asked, what's the difference now between the game you just played versus Seattle versus a month ago? You want to win those games that are close down the edge. It really comes in the, you know, what you do for the entire 60 minutes? It's not just those final two minutes. It's what you do the entire game to put yourself in position and capitalize on what plays were you able to make earlier in the game that you got to go ahead and then execute down the stretch as well. You know, I just think our team's executing, you know, a lot better down the stretch. They've made a lot of improvement. A lot of that's from, you know, just comfort of being around these coaches for a length of time, um, you know, building on the, the, you know, multiples that we have within a game plan on a weekly basis and the adjustments we can make on the sideline or in the locker room, you know, on a kind of quick turnaround basis. So guys are just making plays. These guys prepare hard and they play well. Guys, she's making plays, Randy. And their superstar, <laughs> Saquon Barkley, is out. You mm-hmm. mentioned Wayne Gallman's performance. If I'm not mistaken, he had six yards at halftime and then, then 122 yards in the third quarter. So Turned good, it on. Good for Big Blue. Michelle, it's time for second down. Second down. 
The Packers' Devontae Adams this season now has four games with at least 10 catches, 100 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He's tied with Odell Beckham Jr. and former Ram Torrey Holt for the second most such games in a single season in NFL history. Only Michael Thomas last year, who had six games like that, has more. Torrey was the only guy to do it in the history of the NFL until 2003, until 2014. And now... Two guys have done it in the last two years. That's just the way the game has changed. Earlier this season, Julio Jones became only the only player with more catches and yards in a decade than Torrey Holt. He was ahead of his time, and Holt's records still hold up in the top five all time in terms of what he did in a decade, what he did in seasons, the six consecutive years with 1,300-plus yards. He is an easy Hall of Famer, and when you see that Devontae Adams is just now joining Torrey Holt on lists that Torrey wrote, Torrey wrote this list, mm-hmm. it tells me every day that Torrey Holt is an easy Hall of Famer. Before you even mentioned he was a Hall of Famer, that's the first thing that popped in my mind when you started saying that it, we haven't had some of these records broken until you know years after and even now. Tory Holt was ahead of his time. Sensational player. He definitely is a Hall of Famer. And a large part of the reason that the rules changed uh, in terms of defensive holding being enforced so that people like Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham Jr. can play the way they do, running unabated down the field. The reason that those rules were changed is because Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne were being held all the time. And the NFL wanted to open up that game. So Torrey was doing it when he was being held all the time. He was interfered with on the very first play of Super Bowl 36. And if you aren't old enough to remember, because it was a long time ago now, it used to be that a defensive back would grab a receiver and just basically try to make that guy run away despite his jersey being held down the field. And Torrey was one of those guys that was victimized by that in 2003. And he would still get away and still make him pay. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Third down. Okay, well, let's be honest. We've all have been paying attention to the Brady-Belichick solo efforts this season. It's probably the mm-hmm. biggest storyline of the 2020 NFL season. And at times, it looked like Brady was going to dominate this divorce. We've talked about it at length. But, Randy, the Patriots are shockingly still alive. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're third in the AFC East, but they pulled out a big win over the Chargers, 45 to nothing. It was actually the Chargers' biggest loss in franchise history. Mm. And the Patriots had their best full-team effort of the year. The defense looked great. Special teams certainly contributed. And Cam was efficient and might we add no turnovers but when you think about all the stuff that the Patriots have gone through the COVID opt-outs Cam getting COVID having to adjust to Cam Bill Belichick has seemingly done what he always does and figured out how to get the best out of this group of players. And now, New England has won four of their last five games. They're still behind the Bills and our Dolphins right now in the standings. But mathematically, the Patriots and their 11-year postseason streak are still alive. And until they're mathematically eliminated, I I would not count out Bill Belichick and the Patriots finding a way. It is remarkable. You mentioned all the players that opted out and arguably two of their three best defensive players. Obviously, Gilmore is still there, but when you lose a guy like Hightower, you lose a guy like Collins, those are, those are big deals. And they're, they're turning Cam Newton into a different quarterback than he was last year. Uh, they're able to work around the injuries and the possibility of injury for him. Their offensive line has been a shambles, and 
They're another one that's getting better and better. And kind of like the Giants this season, on a different level, they seem to be ascending. And that's, like you said, that's the way Belichick always does it. It's amazing. People wanted to count him out, but he's like, hey, sometimes it takes a little bit for me to figure out what I have and figure out how to put the puzzle together and to extract stuff out of guys. And you never know what will happen down the stretch here, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see them have a little bit of a push. I wouldn't either. No, if they wind up in the playoffs, I don't think anybody, if they're sitting now with four games left at 500, they play in December. That's one thing the Patriots have always done is they play in December. I, I don't. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them wind up a playoff team. It's going to be really interesting to see how we view Brady and how we view Belichick at the end of the season. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Fourth down. Well, Michelle, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings led touchdown drives of 10 plays, 78 yards and 450, 8 plays, 75 yards and 342, and 8 plays in 90 yards. That took 350. And they had an overtime win over the Jaguars. The Vikes overcame a couple of missed extra points by their kicker, Dan Bailey, and moved into a playoff spot. And the much maligned Cousins, 8th in passer rating this year, 6th in touchdown passes, 2nd in yards per completion and yards per attempt. And with that, he's 19th in attempts. So let me give you that again. He is 6th in touchdown passes, 2nd in yards in complete per completion, but only 19th in pass attempts because they like to run the ball. Mm -hmm. Cousins has only two interceptions in his last six games, and not surprisingly, the Vikings, who were once one and five, are now six and six. He has three game winning drives in those six games. And for all of the shots that people like to take at Kirk Cousins, here's another guy that had a team that got off to a bad start, and they're rallying, and they are six and six and threatening to make the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, the Vikings would be in them. Kirk Cousins does not get enough credit. He never does. No, and it goes back to Washington, and I think he's just such a high-profile guy. And yeah, paid a lot of money. Well, and which is not the, his fault. It's the nature right. of the game and the position that he plays. He, he, he was zero and nine in Monday nights before this season, and he hadn't had much opportunity in playoff games. But now he's checking all those boxes. Aside from getting to Super Bowls, he's winning playoff games. He's rallying his team. He's not throwing costly interceptions, although he did throw a pick six yesterday, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. But he's a pretty darn good quarterback, and I know he is getting a lot of guaranteed money, but where would you rather be? Would you rather be in the situation that the Vikings are in at 6-6, six and six, or would you rather be where the Bears are with the second pick in the draft? Oh, you'd rather be where the Vikings are, of No course. doubt about it. And even if you're looking at other quarterbacks who maybe aren't on that top tier that have gotten paid a lot of money, you certainly rather... Okay, I'll just ask you this. Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff, who would you rather have? I'd rather have Cousins. Right. And one's younger. One, mm-hmm. one seemingly should be more of the guy. But I think I'd rather have Kirk Cousins, too. At least with Cousins, I think you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get. And yes, there are times when Cousins doesn't protect the ball as much as you would like. But he doesn't get protected as much either. If Cousins played with the level of protection that Goff gets, I think that he would do exactly what Jared Goff does. Maybe better. That is Four Downs on 101 ESPN. Hey, are you still working at home and are you going to be for the foreseeable future? I actually was doing stuff at home and I got sore. And we've got a guy who's going to tell us how to not be so sore next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I texted you the other night so you know that I was sitting at my kitchen table doing 
Christmas cards mm -hmm. and I, I'm working away and I, I don't have to do this very often and my arm fell asleep. I, I, I'm working and I'm, I, I'm relentless and sitting there and my I, I was sore when I got up because I, I was working at my kitchen table and we know tons of people and I'm people are right now tuned in that are working from home, right? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how if you do work from home, how sore you can be. And we have some answers for people that are dealing with that as we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Matt Peel is a certified corrective exercise specialist and the author of The Athlete in the Game of Life, Stretch, Strengthen, Live, and Thrive. Matt, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing well. How y'all doing up there in St. Louis? Everything's good, thanks. And uh, this is something that I really hadn't thought about, but you bring up a great point because I, I talk to so many people that are working from home or have spouses or significant others that are working from home and are so proud because uh, those people that are working from home, they go in and they sit down and they work from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. and they don't move from their dining room table or their kitchen table. And that's not necessarily a good thing, is it? No. <laughs> No, it's not at all for multitude of reasons. One, the dining room table wasn't meant to be sat at for eight hours a day. So I guarantee you that chair is not comfortable to be in. You, you, your butt probably is super sore after being in there for an hour. And Matt, we had worked from home for a little bit, and now Randy and I are fortunate enough to come back into the studio. But when we were working from home, I noticed that I was more sedentary at home than I ever was when I was in the office. And that probably causes a lot of the pain that people are experiencing. But is that something that you're hearing from people, that they find that they're sitting more now that they're working from home? Oh, absolutely. They're more connected to being online, to being working. You know, when you go to work, you have a chance to get up from your desk to go to a meeting. Maybe you're in sales and you go on a sales call or you, you go outside and you go to lunch. Whatever it may be, you're really, you're sitting a lot all day, especially as you drive and commute in, but you're not constantly at your chair where everybody knows, like, why is Michelle not responding to my email? I know she's not going anywhere. I know she's sitting right there. There's no reason why she can't respond to my email and my text or my phone call in, you know, two seconds. So absolutely, people are sitting down more, longer, and their bodies are doing what's called remodeling, and they're remodeling more into this position, which really just pulls your muscles all out of whack and creates chronic pain. So I would think, Matt, that the thing that people have to do is kind of have a schedule for not being sedentary. What are your recommendations for people that get to 11 in the morning and they're sore and they don't feel like getting up now because they are sore and they just keep working? Right, absolutely. Well, I definitely suggest as a corrective exercise specialist to one stretch, but it's important to stretch the right muscles. And then we also have to strengthen the corresponding weak muscles. And I'll, I'll give you all a, a quick example. So when we're sitting and our legs are in that seated position, what happens to our legs, our lower body, is our quadriceps or the muscles on top of our legs get are constantly contracted or tight. And same thing with our hip flexors. What gets weakened and then lengthened are our glutes or our butt and our hamstrings. So what people typically do when they stand up and, and tell me if I'm wrong, this, especially after going out on a, a long drive, say you're taking the family on a vacation, you get up and what do you do? 
you reach down and you touch your toes and you really stretch out mm-hmm. your hamstrings. You go, oh, man, that feels amazing. Well, all you're really doing is overstretching a muscle that's been overstretched. So really what we got to do is strengthen that back end and then stretch the top end to help pull our bodies back in a proper positioning. Matt, what are the long-term effects for people if they are you know, more sedentary from working from home, but they're not stretching or taking care of their bodies? Well, that's when chronic pain develops, and that's when you're going to have other health problems because then now it's harder for you to move physically but also mentally. So as we age, we're naturally fighting one physical decline and also cognitive decline. So if you have grandparents or maybe your parents, aunts and uncles, that they just seem to be all hunched over and can't really stand up straight and their backs are killing you, well, look into the future because that's you. If you're not getting up, if you're not stretching, again, strengthening the corresponding muscle that's weak, that's exactly what you're going to look like. And the cute little old couple shuffling across the street might look that way, but I guarantee they don't feel it. <laughs> no doubt. Matt, you mentioned right off the top that you, you shouldn't be sitting all day at a dining room table. And a lot of people are going to be working from home now for the rest of their careers. They've been told, hey, we aren't coming back. So if you have since March been working at home, but you haven't put together something other than the dining room table, uh, what would you recommend for people? Well, hopefully employers are going to catch on to this, number one, and invest a little bit into allowing uh, workers from home to to purchase things like a stand-up desk. Uh, But I'm in the same situation as y'all. So for me, everybody typically has at least a bar there in their kitchen. If you can put your laptop on there and stand on that, so at least you're eye level a little bit with the screen for some amount of time, and then you can go back to sitting, at least alternating it, that's a great way to do it without having to invest into chairs or invest into uh, other types of devices. Um, but it's really just you got to kind of be disciplined. And, and that's where those uh, little Fitbits and Garmin's and things like that, where they ding at you once an hour and say, mm-hmm. hey, dummy, stand up, <laughs> you know, do it. Hey, Matt, before we let you go, uh, one of the things about being at home that doesn't exist at work either is the ability just to go to the fridge or go to the pantry and get a, a small bag of chips. And you can go to your, your kitchen area, but it's just not something that's natural because you have to pay for it at work and you, it's free at home. What about diet for people that are working at home? Super critical. Because, again, since we're not burning as many calories being seated, we don't need to take in as many calories. So that's where some of your snacking, well, well, one probably needs to stop, but two can be adjusted. So having more things like fruits, vegetables, um, drinking more water, coming off a little bit of the coffee, coming off of the cookies, the crackers, things like that, make those adjustments, will help you to feel better and you won't pack on those extra pounds. I know especially it's easier to have that beer at uh, maybe 3.30 instead of five because hey no one's around right exactly (laughs) you know if we could push that back or maybe just keep myself good sunday through thursday then things will change for you you can find matt peel at matt peel p-e-a-l-e dot com and the name of the book is the athlete in the game of life stretch strengthen live and thrive and the big thing it sounds like is just to 
get into motion. A body in motion stays in motion. So like you said, every hour or whatever, get up and make sure that you're, you're walking around and not sedentary. Absolutely. Matt, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you, Randy, Michelle. Appreciate it. Take care. That is Matt Peel joining us on 101 ESPN. Hope that uh, we got a little bit out of that to move around. Actually, during the course of that segment, Michelle and I both stood up, got off of our chairs, and we're standing now. Well, when Matt's telling you the long-term effects that this could have, and he's saying you're going to be that that old person walking across the street, hunched over, I popped right out of my chair. And I do like the idea of the the stand-up office at home, too. Go to the little bar, the counter area, and stand up at home. Because as they say... Sitting is the new smoking. Gosh, and doesn't that give you a bad visual? Yeah. Not great. Not great. But it is harder when you're at home. It really is. To be that disciplined, to say, I'm going to stand up all day when your couch is, the siren song from the couch is very loud. Michelle, one of the great things about working from home is that you can wear your 101 ESPN t-shirt. And if you don't have one now, we have an opportunity for you to get one. And it's a win, 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 because you're going to do something nice for people in need this Christmas. It's going to help a local student, and you're going to get a free T-shirt. So here's what you need to do. Just head to 101ESPN.com. If you donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th, you're going to get a complimentary 101 ESPN T-shirt. But the more important thing is that your $25 donation is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack filled with school supplies to a local student in need. Again, it's called 12 Days of T-shirts, brought to you by Carriker and Smallman here at 101 ESPN. And you do have 12 days to donate. And that $25 donation at least does help that little bit foundation. And boy, do all the charities need help. And we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor for this campaign, Massage Lux. And you can learn more at 101ESPN.com. The 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser going on now at 101ESPN.com. Coming up next, not only is the Carriker and Smallman football team in the NFL good, but they're feisty. <laughs> we got that for you next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnooks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. To pass Finley, throws with him in a ball, tip skyward, leaping, interception grabbed at the 10-yard line by Miami's Nick Needham. Oh, and the audible sigh of relief being heard in so many corners of our country right now as Needham has intercepted Finley. It appears to secure the game and more for the Miami Dolphins. Not just the corners of the country, but the middle of the country as well because Carriker and Smallman's NFL team is the Miami Dolphins who came away with a feisty 19-7 win over the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday and now Michelle our Dolphins are 8-4 and four. Yeah, there were sighs of relief in the heartland of America as our Dolphins get another win, Randy. And it wasn't just any win. It was a chippy win for a lot of reasons. Three different Dolphins were tossed out. Brian Flores, our coach, got involved and the players defended him, said, hey, we know that he has our back. So that part of it was very cool. Yeah. Don't you want your coach to have your back in that situation? Yeah. 
And not that he needs any points in the locker room, but he certainly got some. He did. And I wonder how many points he got from being down at halftime. Our Dolphins only had a couple of field goals. We're down seven to six at the half. But in the third quarter, after deciding not to replace Tua Tonga-Vailoa with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua led our club to an early touchdown in the second half. Shotgun snap, fake the handoff. Tua throws back in the end zone, turning into it as Gusecki's got it. Touchdown, Miami. Went back shoulder for the big fella. Tua's got the touchdown strike, and Miami's got its first lead. It's 12 to 7, Dolphins. Extra point was good. Jason Sanders with a couple of more field goals before the game was over, and 19 to 7 was the final. And the highlight of the game were the fights. Of course, the highlight was definitely the fights. How many is Tua the only quarterback in the NFL that when he drops back to pass, or when we talk about him in a play-by-play scenario, that we talk we use his first name and not his last name? Um, I that's a good question. Probably no. There's got to be you another. Say first. Wilson, Goff, Rogers, Brady. I don't know if you say anyone else's first name. So that's just another distinction for our quarterback and our Dolphins. He's the Beyonce of the NFL. What about Lamar? I don't know. People might say Jackson back to pass. Yeah. Jackson Uh, rolls out. I don't know. This is a great point. I'm just saying. He's got all big stars have one first name. You say Rihanna. We know who you mean. You say Beyonce. We know who you mean. You say Tua. It's a, he's he's Madonna. He's a one name star. Okay, I, I've on got our team. I've got one on his way and one that's definite. Okay, one on his way is Baker. I don't know. I think people might still say Mayfield. I think we're still fifty fifty on that. Yeah, that's true. But he the, gets another win like he had this yeah. past weekend, and we're going with Baker. the the one that's definite though is Ben, Big Ben. I don't know. I people think... don't say Roethlisberger back to throw. They say Ben back to throw or Big Ben. Hmm. We'll have to pull some play-by-play and see. Yeah. Uh, Dak. Oh, yeah, Dak. Dak, there you go. Dak's a good one. Uh, let's see. Who, who else? That's about it. You're right, though. It's There's no doubt that Tua is saying nobody says Tonga by Loa. No, right? no, one. He's absolutely no. Singular in his excellence and in his having uh, first name. <laughs> so that's good stuff here. I'm, I'm just going through the rest of the. Anyone no, else no, popping no, I, out? I don't think there's anybody even close. Two is at the top of that list, and it's just another reason for us to love our Dolphins. Okay, Michelle, I, I want to find out your take on this. Okay. Because last week we were concerned about the idea that the NHL players and owners were disagreeing at the bargaining table about how to start the season. But in a sign of good faith, mm-hmm. both sides are still going to the table. Pierre Lebrun reporting at The Athletic that we're zeroing in on a 56-game season, perhaps. And they met last week. They met over the weekend. And we would start in mid-January. And I think with the the return of COVID-19, not the return, but the the climb of COVID-19 cases and deaths that we could set this back. I, I would suggest that the biggest issue here isn't, shouldn't be negotiations. It should be that last week, pretty much every day, we had as many people or close to as many people die from COVID-19 as we had die in 9-11. When you have almost 3,000 people dying every day, and a record number of cases every day. I think as much as I want hockey to be here, that should be the focus of the National Hockey League as they set their return to play. 
is the safety of the the players uh, and the people involved. Everybody around the sport, and it's not necessarily the players because, well, I can tell you this: here in our town, right down the street at Missouri Baptist. They have people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s that are dealing with COVID-19 and people in their 30s that are on ventilators. So not everybody just breezes through COVID-19 sure. and gets it. Now, the percentage of people that's, that, that are young people certainly is lower. Most young people have an ability to withstand it. But my primary concern would be coaches, trainers, equipment people that are beyond the age of 50. And I think you really have to be concerned about those people as you put together a plan. And does that plan include a bubble or a contingency? Boy, I hope. It, I, I don't think the Blues, just as an example, they're our local team. I don't think they can do bubble. No. But if you're that concerned about the spread of COVID and protecting everyone and you're the NHL, I mean, you're it's December 7th, so they probably have a plan in place and we just don't know all the details yet, or you certainly would hope that they do. Mm-hmm. But a bubble seems to be the only thing that has really worked and protected players with the NHL and the NBA. We've seen it in college football. We've seen it in Major League Baseball. We've seen it in the NFL that when you're traveling and you're moving around and you're playing opponents that aren't in a contained environment, you're, this thing is going to spread. But I certainly hope that the NHL does not have a bubble because we were talking in St. Louis and we saw how negatively the bubble environment affected the Blues. Yeah. And that's something we'll talk to Robert Thomas about coming up later in the show. One thing that Pierre Lebrun did point out is that COVID numbers do remain a huge concern. And as we get deeper into December, the NHL and the Players Association have kept the door open for further delays, depending on the safety of being able to launch the season in mid-January. The pandemic could still force a further delay and move the start back into February, at which time, by the way, we should have the vaccine off and running. It's not going to be close to complete, mm-hmm. but at least the vaccine should be off and running. Are NHL players going to get the vaccine? No. They're guys in their 20s. They're uh, they're young men in their 20s, so they aren't going to get the vaccine early. But people that might attend games or pe- older people that are involved with the, the peripheral aspects of hockey will be able to get them once their time in line shows up. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our friend Dennis Dodd is going to join us to talk about where college football is headed. Are they headed away from the NCAA? Dennis, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Clean snap, kick on the way. It is perfect. And the Missouri Tigers have done it in walk-off fashion. 50-48 to 48 in a thriller in Como. Mizzou with a win to move, improve to 5-2. and two. They've won four out of five. They did that on Saturday on a big day of college football. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Dennis Dodd, our friend, writes college sports for CBSSports.com. And it's always great to talk to him. Mr. Dodd, how are you doing this morning? I am great. How are you guys? Long time. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks. Dennis, as you heard that highlight there, another big win for the Mizzou football program. And Eli Drinkwood certainly has this team rolling and in a good spot. Do you think he's going to get consideration for SEC Coach of the Year? I think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now, considering what they were dealt with. Um, You know, playing LSU and Alabama in that reconfigured SEC schedule, two out of the first 
three weeks, beating LSU and now winning five games for, with a coach that had been, you know, a head coach for one season in the Sun Belt, well accomplished and, you know, deserving of the job. But to now go to a bowl, it looks like, in the SEC in his first year, has to say something. I thought it was interesting also, Dennis, that he got a four-star recruit out of St. Louis last year. He had a yep. top 25 class last year. And it seems like, we always talk about sealing the borders, which is which is impossible, but it seems like he's doing as good a job in St. Louis as anybody's done since Pinkle more than a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always thought that was, it's good optics wise i always thought in the big picture that was overrated missouri in a good year produces about 15 d1 prospects and that's being really really optimistic so you've got to go elsewhere um you know you've got to go elsewhere if you're in oklahoma sometimes if you're in alabama you have to but i think optics wise to satisfy the fans and get and look start you know a train coming out of kansas city in St. Louis, you've got to do that. But um, I don't think it's a necessity. You've got to have 40 Missouri guys on your roster. It helps. But there aren't that many Division One prospects in the state. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports with us on 101 ESPN. And you have been all over the Power Five football conferences in the NCAA for years. And last week, the Knight Commission, and by the way, I was surprised the Knight Commission has been around for 31 years, but they recommended separating major college football and the football playoff from the NCAA completely. They're already pretty much separated financially. But tell us what this would mean if people would agree to, to this. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of layers to this. This this was a recommendation, and that's all it was. The, the Knight Commission is a uh, college athletics reform watchdog group, as you mentioned, 31 years old. They don't have any real power, but they can make recommendations like this. And I, the recommendation was that FBS, the 130 teams that play football at its highest level, and the college football playoff just go off on their own. Um, they could set their own eligibility rules, enforcement, what have you. And I would, I would submit that that's already the case um, in major college sports. You mentioned financially, recruiting-wise, competitive-wise. Uh, the Power Five uh, dominate, uh, and the FBS dominate, particularly because I said this is many layers. The Knight Commission doesn't like that NCA voting on issues is weighted towards those 130 and particularly the Power Five, who in 2015 got something autonomy where they can set more of their rules. So it, it was nice, and it, it was a nice headline, but just having made some calls since then, I don't know if it's going to come about anytime soon. It seems to me that one of the things that a college football the Power Five group could do is maybe – make the rules apply to 2020 rather than 1950 with that NCAA rule book, which is 452 pages. Seems mm-hmm. like that stuff could be streamlined a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the, the things offered in this recommendation that they would do their own enforcement. Um, I don't know how that would look. Uh, I think enforcement is one of the biggest problems with the NCAA, especially right now. If you look at the, remember the big basketball scandal in September of 17, Remember that, the ongoing, how, how's that work out? Mm-hmm. Not, not much. Oklahoma State's, I think, got a postseason ban. Now, is more going to come with Kansas and Louisville? Yeah, I guess. But that was only because the NCAA co-opted and, and adjusted the rules where they could take the evidence from court proceedings, i.e. the Southern District of New York, and shape it and use it as evidence against teams. So um, 
and in many ways they they farmed it out. There's a new thing called the independent um, an independent third party group, which is now judging a lot of these high profile cases. The NCAA doesn't have much to do with it, so they kind of wash their hands of it. So yeah, I mean that's part of it. Um, the other part is that, like I said, this is in many years it's already been forming like this. The college football playoff is worth 475 million every year. It's a separate LLC. 85% of that money goes to the power five and the other 15% goes to the lower divisions, which their lawyers have deemed just enough to keep them from getting sued for antitrust. Dennis, we asked you about Mizzou at the top of the interview. We want to, of course, ask you about Illinois as well. Iowa scores 35 unanswered points to beat Illinois 35 to 14. Mm-hmm. They fall to two and four on the season so far. And we know that Lovey Smith is a good coach. And I know the state of the Illinois program was in a rough spot when he took over as their head coach. But why do you think we haven't seen more consistent success from the Illini and the Lovey Smith tenure? Well, I think it's progress based on last year. Uh, this year's just a crazy year. I think this is a wash. This is a one-off really for for everybody except the, the superpowers that were expected to do well anyway, and those same teams are up at the top again. Uh, I think the next few years are going to be indicative of everybody because every player at a team – well, every every player at every school gets an extra year of eligibility – well, Illinois isn't going to be losing a lot of guys to the draft, and a lot of those seniors may elect to stay. The juniors will have two years left to go. Now, everybody's operating by the same rules, but you know when you've got you know got a foundation there, Lovey does. Then I think you can do some things. Does it look bad that Northwestern is going to play for you know the Big Ten championship for the second time in three years? Absolutely, but I think there was, there was definitely progress made last year. Um, you know, and I think you just have, in many ways, for a lot of teams, Illinois included, just wipe this one out because of COVID. I also want to ask you, Dennis, about Urban Meyer in Texas and all of those rumors. We've been reading yeah. about all that speculation that Urban is being courted by slash is interested in the Texan job, Texas job. But I saw a report this morning that he's leaning towards not returning because of those well-documented health reasons. But how do you think this is going to play out? And if Texas can't land Urban Meyer, is Tom Herman still the guy? Yeah, that's a good question. I, first of all, in Urban Meyer, I don't know if Urban Meyer knows what he's going to do from one day to the next. You know, uh, Texas is a great job, but it doesn't seem to fit him in that there are too many cooks in the kitchen there. When they turn on you at Texas, and I, I can give you chapter and verse examples, it is not a pretty thing. And it absolutely wasn't a pretty thing with Tom Herman. Uh, now, they, they lose to Oklahoma, they lose to Iowa State at home, but then they beat um, – Kansas State, 69-31 Saturday. A lot of us thought he was going to get canned on Saturday, on Sunday. Well, that's not the case. He's still the coach. And you're right. Where do they turn if they make a move? There's no obvious guy out there except maybe a James Franklin or a Mario Cristobal, who I think each would come if they wanted to. But you have to understand Texas' ego. They expect a splash hire. And there's only one splash hire out there right now, and that's Urban Meyer. And I agree with you. I think unless he goes – to a USC, which, by the way, now is undefeated and going to be in the top 15 this week. It's the best team in the Pac-12. No change is going to be made there during a year of COVID. I think he just sits it out a year, and the health problems are real. He's got that cyst in his brain where it, every time he becomes stressed, 
it causes a massive, uh, massive headache. So I think that's something to think about as well. Dennis Dodd, one last thing in regards to the coaching carousel. You mentioned that Meyer is the only splash hire, yet his former program, Ohio State, a 29.5-point favorite yeah. over Michigan this weekend. It's hard to imagine Jim Harbaugh coming back, right? And who, who could they get? It's the same, the same issue applies, where if this native son, you know, Captain Comeback, you know, one of Bo's, those guys from the beginning, if he can't get it done, who can? And you hear the, the name of Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell is not leaving Iowa State for Michigan. Now think about that sentence. Do <laughs> you think you'd ever hear something like that? Matt Campbell is completely happy at Iowa State. He doesn't want to come start something, which he would have to do instead of, inherit, not, instead of keeping on with something he's already built at Iowa State. There's much more to come there. So, I mean, I, you know, there's a. Urban Meyer would be perfect, but uh, but Michigan has backed itself into some, you know, a corner. They're not going to hire an Ohio State guy. They're probably not going to hire Luke Fickle, who was a linebacker and assistant coach under Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel at Ohio State, now the coach at Cincinnati. So that begs the question, where do they go for their splash hire? And again, there aren't very many names out there. Dennis Dodd, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time this morning. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. See you later. Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues may be getting ready for training camp. We're going to talk to their young forward, Robert Thomas, about that and more next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the Home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Blues forward, Robert Thomas, kind enough to get up and join us on Carricker and Smallman. Robert, good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? Hey, guys. Doing great. Uh, how are you guys? Everything's good. I went out this weekend, and I went to the Hallmark store, and I bought a Jordan Bennington ornament <laughs> for my tree. Is Robert Thomas ever going to have a Jordan Bennington ornament on his Christmas tree? You know what? I just I just remember seeing that now that you brought that up, and uh, I might have to make my way over and get one. Uh, I'm sure uh, sure my parents would love that on the tree at home. <laughs> yeah, but the problem there, Robert, is that no presents then would get under the tree because he'd block them all. Funny, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Thank you, thank you, Robert. Are you uh, a, the person that decorates the tree? How do you feel about decorating for Christmas? Do you go all out? Do you let someone else in the family do it? How do you approach that? Uh, I'd say for me, uh, I think my mom takes a cake on that one. She, uh, she loves decorating. She gets the whole house ready. So, uh, I kind of just leave it to her, but I do, I do love Christmas. I love everything that comes with it. And, uh, having those decorations around the house is, uh, brings a lot of joy. That's great. Robert, what's this fall been like for you? I have to believe that since you can remember, you've been playing hockey in the in the fall and winter months. So what's it been like for you to not play hockey this fall? Yeah, it's been it's been really different. Uh, I mean, it was the first Thanksgiving I had at home in a while. So uh, it's kind of nice to cherish that and, and see all the family. Um, but yeah, it, it is weird. Um, you know, your body kind of just wants to go and, and, and play hockey and uh, so it's a little bit different, but I, I mean, we're getting, we're getting close. It feels like, and, uh, hopefully we can get it back out there soon. And what, the, what's that been like for you and your teammates? Because you guys are probably all antsy to get out there and get on the ice. You don't know when the official start date is going to be and chemistry. So important. So I'm sure you guys are trying to keep in touch with each other. I don't know if it's a, if it's a group zoom or if it's a group chat, but how have you guys been keeping in touch? Yeah. I mean, our, our team's so close. So, you know, a lot of us, 
do do a lot of stuff together. I mean, we have fantasy football going on, so uh, that's always keeping it interesting. Uh, you know, a bunch of us play video games, so I mean, I mean, there's different ways, but you know, we've all stayed in touch throughout this this break, and uh, I think a lot of guys are coming back into town early, so um, you know, they'll, they'll be around the rink and stuff. Who is at the top of the leaderboard in the in the Blues players fantasy football group? Uh, Pranko's got it right now. Coming down to the wire, though. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a close one this year. Is your team in the hunt? Uh, I'm in the playoff hunt. Uh, Kelsey might have screwed me last night, but <laughs> oh no, uh, with that drop. I know. No, no, I, I'm going against them and he oh. put up 27 points. So okay. Uh, yeah, it's not not looking good for me. <laughs> Darn, that's disappointing. Robert Thomas <laughs> is with us on 101 ESPN. Robert, let's talk a little hockey because Coach Bruby, when we had him on earlier, he said, hey, I want Robert Thomas to be a top six guy. So presuming that that's going to be the case, what's your greatest comfort level? Is it being at center? You, you played Stanley Cup finals on the wing, and you, you guys won a Stanley Cup with, with you on the wing. But what's the most comfortable spot for you? Uh, I would say most comfortable is, is center. Uh, that's kind of where I've played my whole life. But uh, I think, you know, my first year, obviously playing wing the whole year, I've been able to get a little bit more comfortable on there. And um, I, I feel like I can play both of them now comfortably. Um, you know, a lot of the time, anyways, you're, you're, you know, you're switching with the center, you're playing wing. So there's not a, a whole lot to uh, difference, uh, in my opinion. So uh, I've become pretty comfortable with both of them so uh, both of them will work for me and it was interesting i thought when you guys did win the cup when you were playing with bozy and pat maroon that would have been a number one line for teams around the nhl does it make any difference for you when you're referred to as a top six or a top nine do players really even care about that uh not too much uh, i mean once you kind of I mean, every team's different the way they play their lines. So, uh, in, in the end, it's not it's not too much a big, a big deal. I mean, our our third line, uh, fourth line, they all we all play a similar amount. So, uh, I mean, in, in the big scheme of things, it's not a big deal. Uh, kind of just depends on how your teams play your lines. So, um, yeah, it's kind of kind of it. Robert, as Randy mentioned, Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong, both of them on our airwaves have said that with Vladimir Tarasenko out, this is a big opportunity for you to take another step with this team. Are those mm-hmm. conversations that they've had with you? And if so, how do you feel about that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously sucks, uh, you know, having Vladdy out. You know, I think his recovery is going well, so that, that's good. And hopefully we can get him back out there soon. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a big opportunity for me. Uh, that's the message they've been sending me and um, you know, now it's just up to me. It's up to me to perform. It's up to me to, you know, take that big step. And you know, the pressure's on me. So I'm really looking forward to the challenge. What's the latest you've heard in terms of a timeline in coming back? Uh, for for us or for Vladdy? Yeah, uh, for you. For for the players, just to start a season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, everything's kind of up in the air. Um, you know, they started with that January one timeline and. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think we can hit January one, but I'm hoping it'll just be shortly after. So, uh, that's kind of everything I'm seeing is, uh, I think coming out on Twitter as well. So, uh, it's good that everyone's kind of in the loop. 
Yeah, it's nice to know that we're all refreshing <laughs> together, waiting for that news, yeah. news to drop. Exactly. Uh, but, Robert, now that we've had some time separated from the playoffs to now as we're waiting for the new season, you can kind of look back on your bubble experience and, you know, have a, a new set of eyes with it that you've had some time separated. But um, obviously didn't work out in the Blues' favor. You guys went into the, the postseason as one of the best teams in the NHL. You knew that you had an excellent chance to repeat as Stanley Cup champions and then obviously a ton of circumstances that were thrown your way that you had no control over. But now that you look back on that bubble experience, what was that like for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was something, it was a good learning experience. It was, uh, you know, the in the bubble, it was so tough mentally. And, um, you know, I think, I think for us as a team, we obviously underperformed and none of us are happy with how it went. Um, so I think it was just a good learning experience for all of us. And especially for me, um, you know, it's the first time, you know, obviously my first year we, we won it all. So first time losing in the playoffs in the, in the NHL. So it was a good, uh, it was a good learning experience for me and it, the feeling sucks and uh, I don't really want it to ever happen again. So uh, I think it's just motivation for us this year to come out firing and, and uh, to look back to get on top. One of the things that Binner said afterwards was that he was really affected by not having fans in the stands. How about you? What was it like for you not having fans in the stands? Yeah, it, it wasn't the same at all. Um, you know, you go out in warm-ups, and usually there's a lot of excitement in the in the stands, and uh, uh, you kind of it kind of gets you going. And then you know, and and the first is usually a big hit or a couple scoring chances, and you know everyone kind of gets going. So. Uh, it's definitely a different atmosphere for sure. Um, you know, it took a little bit to get adjusted to, but uh, we we all want fans back in the stands. It, it's better for everyone, so uh, we're looking forward to that. What did you guys do to self motivate or try to at least capture a little bit of that energy that you felt the season before when you're in a packed enterprise center and you know what's on the line and the fans are there and it's deafening in there? I can't imagine having experienced what that environment was like the year before and then going into an empty arena in a bubble, what it was like for you guys to try and get yourself where you need to be from an energy standpoint to go out there and compete. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, well, a lot of the motivation came from within. Uh, you know, you're playing for your teammates, you're playing for, you know, the guys sitting next to you, and I think that's where a lot of the motivation came from. And uh, we always knew, uh, you know, what our fans were like back home and, and how they were going to be supporting us even though we weren't we weren't playing in front of them. So uh, a little bit of both there, and uh, that's kind of what found our energy. Blues forward Robert Thomas with us just for a few more moments here on 101 ESPN. Robert, I think you had the hockey tweet of the offseason on the night that the Blues signed Tori Krug and with the picture of him hitting you. And did we just become best friends since since the tweet? Have you had a chance to connect at all with Tori? Talk to him on the phone or anything? Yeah, yeah, I've talked to him a couple of times, uh, just texting. And uh, I think we're on a Zoom meeting together with, uh, with some season ticket holders, so... Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, the whole thing was uh, kind of just hilarious how it came about. I was just sitting at dinner, and my phone starts blowing up. I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I haven't done anything. And uh, next thing I know, everyone's like, yo, you got to sign Krug. Like, you got to do something about the hit. And I was like, just thinking, like, oh, well, I might as well. And uh, it just kind of came out, and uh, I wasn't expecting it to blow up as much as it did. Um, Robert, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about Christmas that your mom has Christmas decorations that you've been spending time with your family. I don't know if you're back in St. Mm-hmm. Louis yet, but when you get into town, are you staying at the Kachuk house again? Or are you going to be under Big Walt's roof? 
yeah, I did. I did just get back into St. Louis, and uh, no, I'm not going to be staying there this year for for some of it, uh, which kind of sucks. But it is what it is, and uh, you know, hopefully. I have plans to go back kind of twice, three times a week, uh, just to kind of see them all and have dinner and stuff like that. That that rent stuff is just going to be brutal, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, haven't haven't got haven't got a piece of that yet. So, Good. hey, it's great to have you with us. Welcome back into town. Uh, can't wait until you guys are playing again. And we always like talking to you, Robert. Thanks so much for the time. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And Merry Have Christmas. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Blues forward, Robert Thomas on 101 ESPN. Fun guy. I would imagine that it's it's tough when you are in such a fun environment, like living with the Kachucks, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have to go solo and be in your own place. Right. And the normal environment is the hockey environment, which for this particular team has to be so much fun, too. Think of what he said about playing the fantasy football and doing all the video games together. They're, they're each other's best friends. Yeah, it's got to be so weird for them to not be playing hockey right now and to think that we're all together waiting to find out Mm -hmm. the news that some of these players have really no idea when they're going to start that's got to be hard from a physical standpoint to try to keep your body ready to go and the latest is is that the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year seven teams didn't get into the bubble would start training camp a week before everybody else and then training camp would start right around january 1st or 2nd first game on january 15th or 16th that's where we are right now as we sit here on december 7th at 8:28 in the morning next up on 101 espn with michelle and randy we've got the fight stick around is coming your way with character and smallman we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.33. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is time for the fight. And we have a returning fighter today. You may remember on Friday, Jeffrey took on Randy and he beat Randy 4-3. to three. That's right. Jeffrey got all four correct and he beat Randy 4-3. to three. So he's one step closer to the Fight Hall of Fame, but he's got to get through Randy again today. Jeffrey, good morning. How was your weekend? It was great. Awesome. You do anything good? Not really. Cool. Well, maybe today will be better because you'll beat Randy in the fight again. I'll try. All right. A man, a few words. Let's get going. Question number one. On this date in 2013, Missouri lost to Auburn in the SEC championship game. Who was Auburn's running back that ran for four touchdowns and was later drafted by the St. Louis Rams? Was it Carrion Johnson, Rudy Johnson, or Trey Mason? Trey Mason. Which school did Jalen Hurts play college football for before transferring? Options. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Alabama, what did he play first for Alabama, Oklahoma, or Florida? Uh, Alabama. Jeffrey, what year was Robert Thomas drafted by the St. Louis Blues? 2015, 2017, or 2018? 2017. Last one, Jeffrey. Which NFL team was the last to go 0-16? Was it the Cleveland Browns, Minnesota Vikings, or Tampa Bay Buccaneers? 
Cleveland Browns. All right. Felt pretty confident on that one. We're checking our score. Randy is on his way in here. He's coming through the door, getting settled in. Randy, as you get your headphones on, say good morning again to Jeffrey. You may remember he beat you on Friday. I do. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, Randy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Good to have you back. Question number one for you, Randy. Yes. On this day... On this date in 2013, Missouri lost to Auburn in the SEC championship game. Mm -hmm. Who was Auburn's running back that ran for four touchdowns and was later drafted by the St. Louis Rams? Trey Mason. Randy, which school did Jalen Hurts play college football for before transferring? He was at Alabama before he went to Oklahoma. Randy, what year was Robert Thomas drafted by the St. Louis Blues? Robert Thomas, St. Louis Blues. That was... He's 21 now. It seems like it was 17, but 17, 18, 18, 19. No, it must have been 16. I'll go with 16. 16, 17, juniors, 17, 18, 18, 19. I'll go with 16. And Randy, which NFL team was the last to go 0 and 16? It was the Cleveland Browns just, what, three years ago. Another great fight, and we have a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Randy, Jeffrey got all four correct Mm. On Friday, and he got all four correct today. He beat you four to three. Congratulations, Jeffrey, but let's give out our right. answers. So in 2013, Missouri lost to Auburn in the SEC championship game. Trey Mason ran for four touchdowns that day and was later drafted by the St. Louis Rams. Remember Trey Mason? Yeah. Trey May, yep. Trey May, yeah. Jalen Hurts played college football at Alabama before transferring to Oklahoma. Robert Thomas was drafted by the St. Louis Blues in 2017. It was 2017, okay. Yep. And the last NFL team to go 0-16 was the Cleveland Browns in 2017. Jeffrey, congratulations. We're going to talk to you again tomorrow. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you, Jeffrey. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And Carriker and Smallman want you to join in the holiday spirit. You can donate to our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser to benefit the Little Bit Foundation. And the Little Bit Foundation, for those who don't know what they do, they're a wonderful organization here in St. Louis that helps students get the basic necessities that they need. We're talking food, coats, shoes, underwear, even hygiene items, so that they don't have to worry about those things and they can focus on their schoolwork. And here's how it works. All you need to do is go to 101ESPN.com. Donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th, and you will get a complimentary 101 ESPN t-shirt as a gift for your donation. And more importantly, that donation is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to a local student in need. So just think about the money that you will be donating. Get a free t-shirt out of the deal, but you're really helping a young child here in St. Louis better their situation, and it's going to help them learn. Thanks to our presenting sponsor for this campaign massage lux and thanks to you we have raised three thousand one hundred seventy dollars so right. far thank good job you. good job you you can find all the details and make your donation and get your free t-shirt just by going to the 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser now at 101espn.com so uh character and smallman nation is rocking and rolling thank you to everyone who's donated let's get that number higher before the end of 
our campaign here. Let's make sure we can get as many children in the St. Louis area backpacks as we can. Looking forward to that. Coming up, we want you to get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We want your text. 65780 is our Air Comfort Service text line. You can provide a ticket or leave it to Michelle and I. Tanner will pro- provide them to us. Uh, Michelle, I'll get things started here. 46 yards away from the end zone, 13 seconds left, and the Las Vegas Raiders get the winning touchdown. Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs III after the Jets provided a, a, a zero blitz defense, rushed eight, and left three back in coverage, and the 46-yard touchdown pass to win it for the Raiders and keep the Jets winless. Some samples of Jets' Twitter afterward. <laughs> From my humble POV, thank you to the New York Jets. You may be so proud today. You finally did something right by losing. It was close, and you tried to be different today. Thank you for being who I expect you to be. From Progressive Apostate, on track for Trevor. Now just lay down the next four games. There's nothing else we need to see. And one more perfect game, competitive. Let the young players show they are capable instead of gore, 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 gore. And we still lost. Excellent game. Take it or leave it. Jets fans will look at Greg Williams as a hero. Oh, take it. Absolutely take it. There's only one mission right now for the Jets, and that's to lose out and get Trevor Lawrence. That's it. Right. That's the I only agree. mission. If that were my team and they were in that situation and Trevor Lawrence, I was trying to tank for Trevor, I would thank Greg Williams today. I can't imagine that there's anybody except for maybe, uh, maybe not even Adam Gase because he knows he's getting fired. Who would, would be unhappy with that loss. What Jets person, fan or otherwise, would be happy with a win at this stage? I know you played to win the game, but the game right now is securing a franchise-altering quarterback. It is not what's happening on the field, and I know that's hard for players to swallow because they are professionals and they are competitive, but they have to think long-term, and a lot of those people that are going to be there for a while, and they know their situation and their circumstance is are going to be much better next year if Trevor Lawrence is their quarterback. You are in a stand-up slap fight with the Jaguars for that number one pick. Stand-up slap. It's not really a knockdown dragout, so it's more of a stand-up slap fight between those two teams for the number one pick in the draft. Jags have lost 11 in a row now, and they are they're nipping at the heels of the Jets. But this is maybe the greatest case in the history of the league of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And this is why I wish there was relegation in American sports because you shouldn't just be allowed to tank for a quarterback. There should be some cir- <laughs> some sort of consequences for you to lose this many games. Yeah, but it is what it is. So, but it is, but it is kind of exciting, I guess, in a reverse way to watch the Jets lose in that way, knowing that they're still in the Trevor Lawrence hunt. Yeah. Oh, and sixteen. A New York team is going to go oh and sixteen. Amazing. Amazing. 
Okay, Randy, so tis the season. It's the holiday season, and a lot of people are putting up their lights. As you know, some people have already had them up for months. It's 2020. A lot of people went Christmas decorations early this year. But I was driving around a neighborhood, and I, I'm seeing all these different houses with different themes. Everything looks great. I see one house, Randy, and only one bush had lights around it. It was a small bush, and only one bush had lights. No de- no wreath, no decorations on the front of the house, no lights on the outside of the house, no projection lights, just one bush with le- with lights around it. Take it or leave it. If that was your approach, you'd say, why bother? And you wouldn't even do the one bush. That's exactly what I was thinking. But you recall it. It's unique. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's like a bad commercial. You know about that house and what they did. Maybe there's a method to the madness there. And maybe in 2020, they could only muster up one bush's worth of lights for the outside. I don't really know the circumstances, but I just thought to myself, while I appreciate the effort, I would have just said, we're going to be the house that doesn't have lights. (laughs) I'm not going to get out in the cold and, and do lights around one bush. But nobody can say that they're the one house that doesn't have lights. That's true. Minimal effort, but effort at that. It's spirit. It's just a little bit of spirit, but that can grow. You can make your heart grow, grow, grow if with just a little bit of Christmas spirit. Just a little. I was taught that by the Who's in Whoville. Nice. Tanner, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. Rum chata is the best beverage during the Christmas season. Michelle? Oh, I'm going to leave it because I still like a good glass of red wine, but I know a lot of people that love rum chata. Or peppermint schnapps is up there. Hot chocolate peppermint schnapps. Yeah, that's really the king or queen. I have to abstain. I'll go hot chocolate. Yeah, I'm abstaining too, but only when we're in single digits now, Randy, and it's about to get wild this holiday season. From the 618, there's no way, the, take it or leave it, there's no way the Bears should allow Pace to draft another quarterback. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that too. Yeah, I think he made a mistake. You think so? Yeah. Deshaun Watson on a bad team is really having a good year. Deshaun Watson yes, is a good is. quarterback. He really is. So much is going wrong around him, and he's thriving. From the 314, take it or leave it. Now that the winter meetings are going on, we'll see a flurry of some free agent signings. I'm going to take that. Are you? Yeah, I, I think the Mets will get going. And even though it's not a real winter meetings because they're taking place virtually, but I think teams got to want to get it out of the way before the holidays. And players do too. Players want to sign. I agree with all of that, but I'm still going to leave it because I think a lot of these front office executives will not be given the green light by ownership until they know what's going to happen with fans in the stands the next year. And I think the Mets are going to spend anyway, and people know that because of their owner, and he's new. He has tons of money and has already said they're going to spend. So I don't know if the Mets making moves is enough to really disrupt things within the baseball ecosystem. I think the Mets and the Jays. Because players are going to want to take that bird in the hand. And if four or five signings constitutes a flurry, which I think this year it does, I think that's what we're going to see. From the 636, take it or leave it. The Chiefs need the one seed to make the Super Bowl. I'm going to leave that. I don't think home field is such a big deal, especially for outdoor cold weather teams now. Mm -hmm. If the Chiefs have to go to Pittsburgh, I don't think it makes any difference at all. I think this year, same thing. I don't think it really matters. From the 314, take it or leave it. SLU has a better basketball team than Missouri. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that, too. Yeah, great depth. Boy, that was a, a just a, an epic performance the other night when they put the 100 up. And 
they're, they're really good. And they've got a lot of things going for them. And Mizzou, by the way, is better than they've been in some time. That's true. I was going to say that's no disrespect to Mizzou, but I just no. think SLU right now is the better team. From the 636, take it or leave it, Anthony Lynn will be fired after the season. Interesting. And I'm that's a really good one. Thinking about that. And I'm going to leave it because I do think that coaches are, are going to be many, obviously a lot haven't and won't, but many are going to be given the benefit of the doubt because of COVID-19. And I think the Chargers will wind up being one of those teams that'll give their coach the benefit of the doubt. If we had three already fired, we've had Quinn in Atlanta. Uh, we had Patricia. I thought we had one other one. Oh, uh, the Texans. Oh, yeah. So O'Brien. So we've had three. Gase will be at least four. But I'm going to say that uh, Anthony Lynn, who's been pretty close to the playoffs, is going to stick around. Yeah. I think he's a pretty good coach, and I, I do agree that some franchises are going to say, hey, it's 2020, weird year. And I just don't know if the Chargers are in a place where they want to reboot No, and with a new coach. Yeah, they, they moved into the new stadium. They've got a rookie quarterback. Yeah. It's hard to, even though he's been good, it's, it, it's hard to win with a rookie quarterback. I think they'll give him the benefit of the doubt. From the 314, take it or leave it. Jamie Rivers sounds like Fozzie the Bear. I don't know what Fozzie the Bear sounds like. I've never. Or maybe Fozzie the Bear sounds like Jamie Rivers. That could be. I've never tried that? to make that connection. I'm going to have to listen to both. See if we can come up with that. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can get some audio samples going and we can compare. But I don't know. I don't I don't know the tone of Fozzie the Bear. I do know the tone of Jamie, who, by the way, so is I. in the fast lane now. That's starting right. today from 2 to 6, he'll join Brad Thompson and Anthony Stalter in the fast lane. Can't wait to listen. Should be great. From the 636, take it or leave it, Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be blown out in the first round of the playoffs. I think it depends on who they play. As I was gonna say, I think it's hard to make that declaration without a matchup, without knowing who their opponent's going to be. But is it possible that they miss the playoffs? I think it'd be difficult for them to miss, but I think it's possible. Right now, and this is uh, through week 13, 12 games. They're seven and five. So I think they're in pretty good shape in terms of making the playoffs. But they're this year's playoffs can go anyway. I I think it's just gonna be crazy uh what happens in the playoffs. Who would they play? I'm just trying to think of who they would play if we started today. Uh well they they would play Green Bay. So yes, they would get no, they wouldn't. They, their first game would be against the Rams at L.A. Oh, that's a blowout. Yeah, they, they would blow out the Rams. So, uh, so we'll see. They, the Rams did beat them, right, on the Monday night game. Yes. So, so yeah, blowout. Tanner's a Rams fan. But we like him anyway. Yeah, we do. You got uh, one more? I do. From the six three six, Robert Thomas, take it or leave it. If he had played a full eighty two games, would have finished with sixty five or more points. Just to give you an idea, he played sixty six last year and had forty two points. I'll take that. I'll take that too. Yeah, he's finding his way, and with the ability to play, for example, if if he could play with Shen and Schwartz, yeah, he'll be at least a sixty five point guy. And last year, he was kind of vacillating one between the, the second and third line. So, yeah, I think that he will be a, a guy that's a 65-point guy this year. I really look forward to seeing him in this upcoming year. As yeah. he told us, he's he's loving the pressure, he said, and looking yeah. forward to the opportunity to take an, another step. Yeah. And by the way, a pro-rated 65 points over an 82-game schedule. If they play 56 and he gets 65 points, then I'll be really happy. I think all of us will. 
from the 636 take it or leave it the cleveland browns will make a deep run this postseason i'm gonna leave it i think there are too many good teams in the afc not that they're not good but i think that pittsburgh kansas city and buffalo are all better than them nine and three is impressive but i just I, I think things have fallen their way, and I don't think that they're a team that's going to make a deep run, which I would consider the AFC Championship So game. would I, yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't say a deep run, but I would say that... They can win a game? Yeah, yeah. and I think that they're a team that other teams might over not overlook, but say, oh, okay, it's the Browns. We could probably take this team. I think they're going to be a tough out, and I think that depending on the matchup, that I, I would be worried if I was playing the Cleveland Browns. And again, They're for real. Playoffs started today. It'd be a rematch with Tennessee. Oh, that'd be great. It would. Especially yesterday, the Browns dominated the first half and the Titans dominated the second half. And, and that's why it was a one score game. So it would be interesting to see. And by the way, it's not very often that you hold Derrick Henry down like Cleveland did yesterday. Good job on them. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Speaking of the playoffs, the Saints are in, but are they the team to beat in the NFC? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. Nine oh one. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler on Character and Smallman. And Michelle, this year, the NFL, as we know, has expanded to seven playoff teams in each conference and only one bye. If the playoffs started today, the New England pa- or the New Orleans Saints, who clinched the playoff spot yesterday, would be the team that gets the bye. Then you would have Green Bay against Minnesota in a first round game Ooh. at Green Bay. You'd have the Rams taking on the Bucks in L.A. And you'd have the Seahawks visiting the Giants. Oh, wow. And so New Orleans would play either Minnesota, well, whoever came out who was the lowest seed coming out of those games. I think New Orleans is in great shape. They're going to get Drew Brees back soon. Yesterday, Taysom Hill, 27 of 37 for 232 and a couple of touchdowns. He's been fantastic for them since Brees got hurt. And their defense is the best defense in the league. I see no reason, although I've had three years in a row where I've seen no reason why New Orleans shouldn't make it to the Super Bowl. But this is another one of those years. They've been great. Sean Payton had been touting Taysom Hill for a while, talking about his abilities. And a lot of people thought, really, is he going to be able to to be that guy that Sean Payton's saying? Or is this just him trying to pump up his guy? But they're 3-0 and since Drew Brees has gone down, the Saints are. And there were reports out there, Randy, that he could be back as early as next week, Drew mm-hmm. Brees. And for those who may have forgotten why he's out, he's recovering from 11 broken ribs and a collapsed lung. We saw him out there on the field getting loose in pregame warm-ups uh, in their game this week. But I, I don't know, Randy, if you're at the Saints right now, do you try to give Drew Brees maybe one more week to recover knowing that Taysom Hill's being effective for you? I absolutely give him as much time. Coming back from multiple broken ribs like that and I know he wants to come back and right. play. And he's a Hall of Famer. You, he's Drew Brees. Yeah. But 
why not give bones an extra week to heal? It exactly. just makes sense with the way that Taysom Hill is playing and the way their schedule shapes up. There's no reason for them to rush Breeze back. They're at Philadelphia next week, and the Eagles are they're a mess. And if you have the number one defense in the league and you're going against Philly, whether it's a rookie quarterback in Hertz or whether it's Carson Wentz, you don't feel bad about that. And then maybe you bring Breeze back for your home game against Kansas City on December 20th. Do you think that Taysom Hill is going to be the Saints quarterback of the future? Yeah. They said that when they signed him, and I, I was thinking no. That, but I guess uh, I guess Sean Payton's better at evaluating guys that he sees every day in practice than I am, just saying, Taysom Hill, he's 30 years old, and he's never been a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and he had high praise for him, not only in the media, but people talked about how behind closed doors in production meetings and stuff for broadcasts that he was all constantly talking about Taysom Hill's skill set. So, yeah, I guess he's pretty good at evaluation. But, yeah. I, but he's made things interesting, that's for sure. And I wonder what Jameis Winston has thought as he has watched all of this unfold, because I have to believe when he signed with New Orleans, and with the knowledge that Breeze wasn't going to be there for the long term, he was he had to be thinking, okay, I can get that job after Drew Breeze leaves because he's probably thinking the same thing as us. Taysom Hill, what's he ever done? Right. But now, if you're Jameis and you've sat on the sidelines and watched all of this happen, you're probably thinking, okay, I got to find a new home. Probably. That's what you're probably thinking. I wonder if he's still eating W's, though, after the Taysom Hill-led Saints wins. I think he should be because... <laughs> A, they're delicious, and B, he's kind of made that famous. Kind of. That's what people, when you think of Jameis Winston, what do you think of? Turnovers and eating the W. Yeah. So I wonder if Cafe Du Monde has come up with W-shaped beignets. If he was the starting quarterback, if he was the reason why they were winning, maybe, but I don't know if he deserves that now. <laughs> you know? No, not yet. Not yet. So, But I think it's a good idea on their part. By the way, the Chiefs have also clinched a playoff spot. They're 11-1 after the win over the Broncos last night, and they've got that division pretty much wrapped up. It would take a Vegas sweep of their remaining games and for Kansas City to lose out to not win that division. So Kansas City, I think, is, in, is going to be fine. And it would be really interesting. We mentioned that the Saints play the Chiefs. That could render the Chiefs the number two two seed or the number one seed if the Kansas City would beat New Orleans in that game they could be the number one seed because they would no I guess Pittsburgh if they win out they would still be undefeated in the conference so Pittsburgh's probably going to be the number one seed you know who else could win out one other NFL note for you what who the uh, Baltimore Ravens play Dallas tomorrow night Mm mm-hmm the Ravens' remaining games, and they're 6-5, and five, and they have lost three in a row. But they've got Dallas tomorrow. They're at Cleveland, and that's very winnable. They get all their people back. Mm-hmm. They're getting Calais Campbell back. They're getting Brandon Williams back. They're getting Lamar back. They aren't getting Ronnie Stanley. They're getting their running backs back. They're at Cleveland, and then they've got home games against the Jags and Giants before finishing up at Cincinnati. All winnable for the, the Ravens, who could get to 11 victories, theoretically, and be in the playoffs and be the team that nobody wants to play. The playoff picture is going to be so interesting because the way you look at it now, it's definitely not going to look like that probably in a few weeks. And there are teams that we're talking about that the Ravens, we just talked about the Browns, and are the Browns going to be a team that is suddenly mm-hmm. – 
in the playoffs and a tough out. I, I think getting are the are the Patriots going to be in the in the playoffs and all of a sudden finding their stride and Bill Belichick extracting the best things out of his players like he always does and they're all of a sudden a team mm-hmm. to watch for. It's going to be really fascinating to see what the playoff picture looks like in the next few weeks. Michelle, if you were the parent of a college football player, would you want said player to travel to a bowl game for a bowl week? No, probably not. Well, that's a tough question because, yes, I would because I would want my child to have that experience and participate in a game that they've earned. You know, Mm -hmm. you you play in the season. The bowl game is your reward. I certainly would want that. But just from the travel aspect, I would be nervous about that. But I guess, you know, teams have been figuring it out all season. Right. And they're adults. The the kids, they're going to want to play. The reason I bring that up is because... Kyle Bonagura and Mark Schlebaugh at ESPN always have their bowl projections every week. Mm -hmm. This week, they've got Mizzou playing in the Las Vegas Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. It's a TBA game because they it was supposed to be December 26th or December 29th, and they now have changed it to TBA. But Bonagura has Utah playing Mizzou in the Vegas Bowl, and Schlebaugh has Cal playing Mizzou in the Las Vegas Bowl. Interesting. So... Uh, and there are no rules for the Bulls this year that you don't have to have. You don't have to have any wins. Everybody's eligible. So for Eli Drinkwitz, if he gets Mizzou under these circumstances to a bowl game in his first year, I think that's another feather in his cap. For sure. Absolutely. And think about the, the exposure that that would be. It would be very cool for them to go to that stadium to make that trip. It's a weird it's a weird time and I'm sure they'd take the precautions but yeah that'd definitely be another great thing for Eli Drinkwitz to say that Mizzou accomplished in year 1. What happens if they beat Georgia? And Georgia is not playing for a SEC East Championship anymore. They have nothing to play for. Florida has won the East. The game is in Columbia. What happens if Mizzou beats Georgia? How much does that take Drinkwitz in this program to another level if they're 6 and 2? If Mizzou beats Georgia, six and three, I'm sorry. Do you think by the time he's before he's even off the field that his phone is ringing from other programs? Yes, I agree. I think that because the state of Mizzou right now, fans are excited. People pretty much universally agree that Drink was the right hire, and if he's been able to do this with this team during a pandemic, (laughs) imagine what he's going to be able to build at Missouri. Very, very great early returns on Coach Drink. But I think that other people across the country are paying attention as well, and I wonder if some of these programs that may have some money to spend are looking at Eli Drinkwitz and saying, I wonder what it would take to rip him from Missouri. And I wonder if any of those programs outside of Michigan and Texas would be able to pay him more than $4 million a year, which is what he's getting at Mizzou. I, and I wonder if he'd leave, do one and done twice in a row because he left App State after one year. He was one and done there. And so he's getting $4 million at an SEC school where he just beat everybody that he needs to beat mm-hmm. once he got his program rolling, except for Florida. I don't know that I would... Uh, I wonder if Eli would want to do that. This might be the best position for him right now. By the way, he's uh, right below Shiano. He's in the top 35 in terms of coaching salaries in America. Wow. So not bad at $4 million a year. But Texas, if you're Texas, as much as we like Eli, isn't he just basically doing what Tom Herman was? Because Tom Herman was in Houston and won there, and he'd been a Texas guy. 
but he was the next hot thing. I think you have to go all in on Urban Meyer if you're Texas. If you're going to get rid of Tom Herman, I think you have to go all in on Urban. And if your fan base already knows that you're flirting with Urban Meyer and he doesn't take the job, then even despite what Eli Drinkwitz has been able to do with Missouri this season, it's still not the splashy name recognition. And it's for Texas fans, it doesn't really matter what Eli Drinkwitz is doing at Mizzou in the SEC this season. It's not Urban Meyer. And if you are a UT fan where their former athletic director, DeLos Dobbs, once so famously said, a good year at Missouri is a bad year at Texas. (laughs) Do you take a Mizzou guy? If, if if a good year, so we think Mizzou's having a good year. But if you're Texas, do you stoop to the level of taking a Mizzou coach? That's a really good question. They've got big egos. Oh, outs- everything's bigger in Texas, Randy. Outs- oh, yeah. Outside the egos there. Um, probably not, at least right now, just because, and this is no disrespect to Eli Drinkwitz, but the, the gap between Urban Meyer and Eli Drinkwitz is pretty vast. You know, mm-hmm. Coach Trinkwitz is on a great path, but he just, Urban Meyer is in, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of modern coaches in college football. And I don't think that Texas has a, enough, I don't know, foresight to, to pick somebody that might be able to build something. It's going to have to be a big name. Yeah. By the way, Drinkwitz 29th in coaching salaries. The five above him are P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, Justin Fuente at Vatech, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, and Paul Christ at Wisconsin. The five below Drinkwitz are Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, Bronco Mendenhall at UVA, Lovey at Illinois, Tom Allen at Indiana. He's going to get a raise. And uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Wow. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Hey, we appreciate you participating in our 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign. Carriker and Smallman trying to raise money for the Little Bit Foundation. And if you go to 101ESPN.com, make a $25 donation. Not only do you make that very important commitment and donation to the Little Bit Foundation, but you get a free 101 ESPN T-Shirt out of it. Yeah, everybody loves a free T-Shirt. Think about all the crazy stuff you've done in a ballpark or in a stadium to get a free T-Shirt. That's probably three times too big for you. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a 101 ESPN T-Shirt, beautiful T-Shirt, your wardrobe needs it you can get it in your own size and that $25 donation is not only going to get you the free t-shirt but more importantly it's going to help the little bit foundation provide a backpack filled with school supplies to a local student in need and the little bit foundation serves 14,000 students across the st louis area and they need our help right now more than ever so we'd love to have you participate thanks to our presenting sponsor of the campaign massage lux you can find the details make your donation at our 12 days of t-shirts tab at 101espn.com and later Latest we have, we've raised over $3,170 in our 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign. We'd love to have you participate to help out the kids in the St. Louis area. Yeah, do it for the kids. Forego your coffee. You can do it. Help. A, think about a child that is in a spot right now where they need a backpack filled with school supplies. Yeah. It's the giving season, and I can't think of a better organization to give to than the Little Bit Foundation. You're killing me, Small. Okay, Randy. The Kansas City Chiefs had another strong win last night. Most of us stayed up. We watched the game. They improved to 11-1, and, one. and Travis Kelly 
Kelsey was talking last night after the game, and he was reflecting on another great win for Kansas City. Travis, congratulations on the win. Didn't quite look like the offense we've become accustomed to. Red zone offense in the first half, kind of dismal. What happened? Um, I mean, we just got to finish strong. I mean, hats off to the Raiders. They've done an unbelievable job the past two games of, you know, presenting a challenge on third downs and in the red zone. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Uh, we got to f- keep fighting. As, uh, ah! It's so cold! <laughs> got to love it, baby. A lot to unpack there. Uh-huh. The yelling you heard at the end was Patrick Mahomes dumping dumping water on him. But he said hats off to the Raiders, Randy. The only problem there, I appreciate his generous spirit, is that the Chiefs beat the Broncos 22-16 to last night, not the Raiders. John Gruden's team is living <laughs> rent-free in Travis Kelsey's head. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the it. loss, the one loss they have. Hats off to the Raiders. Yeah, that's the team that beat us. Hats off to them. But you just beat the Broncos. <laughs> I noticed they're, that. They're still on the field as he's getting interviewed. <laughs> Just take a look. Come on, look around. Just look around. They're right there. <laughs> yeah, I understand. You know, after a game, though, you're tired. It's... You, you you got a lot going on. You just want to get to the locker room, celebrate with your teammates. It's cold. Then you got, you know, this was obviously before he got the water dumped on him, so he doesn't really have an excuse there. But everybody makes mistakes, but I just thought that was so funny that he said hats off to the Raiders as Broncos players are still surrounding him on the yeah. field. And... Isn't Patrick Mahomes fun? In addition to being great, isn't he fun? He is really fun. I love the commercial uh, with everybody getting the haircut like him. With oh, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Patrick Price. Yes. He is everything that you could possibly want in a franchise quarterback. He is. He's the best quarterback actor since Peyton Manning. Whoa, that's a hot take. And I don't know if I'd go that far. Anybody close? I, I don't know. Peyton was... Since well, Manning. Yeah, but I, I don't even think I would put him on the same level as Manning. No, but... I, I don't mean, know, Tom Brady, we've seen Brady, him. Brady, Rodgers, no. Rodgers, discount double check. Yeah, I think Patrick's better. You think he's better than yeah. Aaron? Yeah, better actor, not a better player. Right, no, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, better I don't, actor, yeah. I don't know, Aaron Rodgers sold a lot of insurance. Yeah, but he, Patrick does a great job of being a method actor. He can sit in the barber shop and make it seem like, okay, this is a real group of guys. Mm-hmm. Rodgers is just being Aaron Rodgers. I get what you're saying. So Mahomes is, even though he's playing himself more into character. Yeah, yeah. and into situations. Mm, okay. I'd have to watch it back to back. And he does have skills. With a Z. With a Z. Maybe you're right. Maybe he is better than Aaron Rodgers. But I just think until we see him hosting Saturday Night Live, True. we can't even speak his name in the same breath as Peyton Manning. No. That, it was really good. No, Manning, Manning is secretary in the Belmont. There's That's no right. doubt. That's right. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, this was a really scary moment that happened um, not that long ago. So NBA star DeMar DeRozan heard a commotion in his home. This was on November 19th. He's like, what is going on? He goes upstairs to the play area. He has two children, at least one of his kids was in the play area. And he sees that there is an intruder in his house. And he comes face to face with the intruder. No fear. 
chases the man out of his house. He lives in a gated community, and it actually turns out that as the guy was getting chased out of the house, security stopped him. They called the police, and this was a suspect who was actually not even trying to get into Mar DeRozan's home. He is a stalker who's obsessed with Kylie Jenner, who is DeMar DeRozan's neighbor. So he thought he was breaking into Kylie Jenner's home and accidentally found himself face-to-face with a 6'6", 220-pound DeMar DeRozan, who certainly was not afraid in that moment. And he was on a Zoom call with the media who asked him about this incident, and he confirmed that it happened. And he said, no, I wasn't scared, and here's why. Yeah, everything good. Um, I grew up in Compton, California. I've been through worse. Yeah, that's all we got to know. All you got to know. So a scary situation. Thankfully, everyone's okay. But I can't even imagine this stalker thinking that he was in Kylie Jenner's house and then all of a sudden DeMar DeRozan, an unafraid DeMar DeRozan, is face-to-face with you. Okay, two quick things. Number one, more scary for DeMar DeRozan or the stalker? Definitely the stalker, don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. And number two... Kind of like Tom Brady. Come on, stalkers. Tom Brady, get to the right house. Jeez. But think about how frightening that is, though, on a serious note, that there's security in a gated community, and he still got in. Right. And I I guess he wasn't quick enough to come up with, yeah, why did he admit that he is a Kylie Jenner stalker? Well, he said he was there to see her. Oh, okay. To the security, according to the article that I read. Well, he found her house, so that's credit to him. They realized he was the stalker. And he was apprehended. But DeMar DeRozan, props to you for not being afraid. Yeah, right. You're killing me, Small. Okay, Randy, this is one of my favorite stories that I read in a while. And I know that you are from the mean streets of Creve Corps. Mm-hmm. You're very hip into the rap game. So oh, I, I figured that you would like this one. So uh, James Harden and rapper Lil Baby are boys. And for Lil Baby's birthday... James Harden gave him quite the gift. In addition to a luxury watch, Randy, he gifted Lil Baby a Prada duffel bag filled with honey buns, actual honey buns, and also $100,000 in cash, which is they call a honey bun in slang. So he gets a watch, he gets a Prada duffel bag, he gets actual delicious honey buns, and he gets $100,000 in cash. That's pretty awesome. Now, were they at the party together at the strip club? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, they were definitely in the club. I don't okay. know if women were present. But, I think that's why Harden was not allowed sure. to go to training camp. Because he was uh, at, a, at a club, which is nothing wrong with that, going to a club. But that that's a good friend right there. That is a great friend. Yeah, the gifts, $300,000 in total that James Harden gifted little baby. That's phenomenal. How much did the honey buns, the, the real honey buns cost? You know, those are probably like 20 bucks. And, and Prada bags, that's a pretty... A Prada ex- bag, he got a watch that I think cost a pretty penny and $100,000. Oh, and the watch cost $200,000. The watch. Ooh, okay, there you go. I, we need to get friends like James Harden. We do. You know, when you're an adult, your friends may gift you a candle, a bottle of wine. You don't get $300,000 in lavish gifts from a friend. No. He's the best friend in the world. <laughs> he really is. And I know he makes, you know, he's reportedly made about, I don't know, 220 Yeah plus million dollars in his career. So this is just kind of a drop in the bucket for him. But uh, I think the the real thing we've learned here is that we need to get better friends. No doubt about it. You're right. By the way, one other note. Uh, yes, it was that 
trip to the strip club where not only was he giving money to his friend Little Baby, but he was also giving a lot of money to the strippers. But because he was there, he couldn't participate in camp because of COVID-19 protocols. You know what we need to do is we need to get in touch with James Harden and we need to tell him about our 12 Day of T-shirts campaign and the Little Bit Foundation. Because if he's yeah. given bags filled with watches and $100,000, he certainly would be on board to give a backpack filled with school supplies to a local student in need. Yep. And James Harden just needs to head to 101ESPN.com so he can make his donation. We need to send to him a tweet. We'll do that. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, earlier in the show, someone texted in, take it or leave it, that our great teammate, Jamie Rivers, sounded like Fozzie Bear. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know who Fozzie Bear is, classic Muppets, but Fozzie Bear is known for his stand-up comedy skills. He wears a pork pie hat, you know, that pink and white polka dot necktie, very mm-hmm. stylish guy. Oh, yeah. And the great Mike Ryder has put together a compilation, a mashup, if you will, so that we can compare the vocal stylings of Fozzie Bear and our own Jamie Rivers. Are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Oh, this song here. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was in like 1996. I was playing for the blues that yeah. time. Okay. Now, with some help from my pal Animal. I was in a motel <laughs> with three other guys. Oh. And with help from my two friends here. I, I called the authorities just to keep people off uh, off of the street in front of you. Waka waka waka. Okay, I got to come down on the side of yes here. I would say that Fozzie Bear sounds like Jamie Rivers, not that Jamie Rivers sounds like Fozzie Bear. I would agree with that. But that mashup, you could hear the distinction, but some of the tones similar. Our listeners have a great discerning ear, and we appreciate that. And we'll hear what Jamie has to say about this, I'm sure, this afternoon at 2 when he joins Brad Thompson and Anthony Stalter in the fast lane. And they will be with you every day in the fast lane from 2 to 6. Look forward to hearing them together. It'll be great. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And thanks for your texts as well. Next up, we had a chance to talk to Robert Thomas, Blues Forward, in our last hour. And we're going to bring some of that back to you and talk about what he can be for the Blues in 2021 next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Robert Thomas joined us this morning, got up early, Michelle, to mm-hmm. join Carriker and Smallman. He was fun. He was great. It was great to chat with him. And just like us, Randy, he's waiting to hear news about when the Blues are going to get back into action. Just uh, checking out Twitter just like we are. We're all refreshing together. And the reports are now that training camp will start right after the first of the year and that the season will get underway in mid-January, January 15th or 16th. And What's been one of our topics of conversation during this quote-unquote offseason is where's Robert Thomas going to fit in among the Blues forwards? Absolutely, and Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong have both talked about the fact that, unfortunately, Vladimir Tarasenko dealing with that injury is not going to be available for the Blues. But when one door closes, Randy, another one always opens, and this is a great opportunity for Robert Thomas to ascend to another level for this Blues team. And I asked him, I said, if if the powers that be in the blues are talking publicly about you getting this opportunity. Have they had these conversations with you? And if so, what do you think? And here's what he had to say. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously sucks, uh, you know, have body out, you know, I think it's recovery's going well, so that that's good. And hopefully we can get them back out there soon. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a big opportunity for me. Uh, that's the message they've been sending me. And, um, you know, now it's just up to me, it's up to me to perform. It's up to me to, 
you know, take that big step and, you know, the pressure's on me. So I'm really looking forward to the challenge. And it's interesting, Michelle, because when we go back to the playoff run in 2019 and specifically the Stanley Cup Finals, each of the lines were really productive. Even when they didn't have Oscar Sundquist, uh, they really missed out with that fourth line. So you wonder, from a player's perspective, aside from playing with more skilled athletes, does it really matter whether you're top six or top nine? Uh, Not too much. Uh, I mean, once you kind of... I mean, every team's different the way they play their lines. So, uh, in, in the end, it's not it's not too much of a, a big deal. I mean, our our third line, uh, fourth line, they all we all played similar amount. So, uh, I mean, in, in the big scheme of things, it's not a big deal. Uh, kind of just depends on how your teams play your lines. So, um, yeah, it's kind of. And I would think that. The, the Blues, they do talk about top three, top six. It matters to management. It matters to coaches. But for a guy like Robert Thomas, who makes everybody around him better, mm-hmm. I think that it'll just make him more productive playing with a Shen and a Schwartz and, and being a center. I agree. And don't you love his mentality, too, about it? I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. But then when when talking about the pressure, he says, I love the pressure and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. And his skill set lends itself to him being a superstar at some point. He can be one of the real stars of the sport if he ascends the way the Blues think he's going to. Absolutely. And we also talked to him about the Blues in general. The last time we saw them on the ice, Randy, was not the outcome that Blues fans wanted. Just the season before, magical run, Stanley Cup championship, first time in franchise history. Then the team was rolling. It did not seem like they had a Stanley Cup hangover. Oh, and then, you know, this little pandemic started (laughs) and they had a pause in play. And then as we remember, they went to the bubble. But I had asked Robert Thomas, now that you've had some time away from that experience, when you reflect back on the bubble, what was your takeaway? And here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was something. It was a good learning experience. It was, uh, you know, the in the bubble, it was so tough mentally. And you know, I think I think for us as a team, we obviously underperformed, and none of us are happy with how it went. So I think it was just a good learning experience for all of us, and especially for me. Um, you know, it's the first time. You know, obviously, my first year we, we won it all. So first time losing in the playoffs in the in the NHL. So it was a good. Uh, it's a good learning experience for me, and it, the feeling sucks, and uh, I don't really want it to ever happen again. So uh, I think it's just motivation for us this year to come out firing and and uh, to look back to get on top. My big takeaway from that, and this seems to be a prevailing thought for players that didn't win the Stanley Cup, is how tough it was mentally mm-hmm. to deal with. And Jordan Bennington at the end of the season, Michelle, talked about how even a month after the games, he could draw what it looked like outside his window at the hotel in Edmonton because that's all they did. They sat around in their hotel rooms and then they went and played games. That was it. And I don't I don't know how you can possibly get to the place you need to be emotionally, mentally, to go out there and compete at a Stanley Cup playoff level. When if you're Robert Thomas and the year, your two experiences, the year before, I can close my eyes, just like you just said Jordan Bennington can close his eyes and remember what it looks like out the window in the bubble. I can close my eyes, Randy, and remember what it sounded like and what it felt like in Enterprise Center as the Blues were charging through the playoffs on their way to the, their Stanley Cup championship. And those players remember that, too. They remember the electricity. And it's impossible to not have your emotions on high when you're stepping out onto the ice and the fans are there. And I... I 
I know, obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to, to capture the momentum that they needed to get it done in the bubble, and every team was different. But if you were the Blues and you had that experience the season before, and then you go from that to the complete opposite end of the spectrum with no one there, piped-in noise, em- empty arena, it had to be very difficult for you throughout that entire process mm-hmm. to stay where you needed to be mentally. We, we all remember where we were when... Robert got run over by Tory Krug in the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals. Yeah. And he did have the the tweet of the offseason when he put up the picture of Krug hitting him and then asked, are we best friends now? And we asked Robert if he's heard from Krug. Yeah, yeah, I've talked to him a couple times, uh, just texting, and uh, I think we're on a Zoom meeting together with, uh, with some season ticket holders. So uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, the whole thing was uh, kind of just, hilarious how it came about i was just sitting there and my phone starts blowing up i'm like what the hell like, i haven't done anything and uh next thing i know i was like yo you gotta send crew like you gotta you gotta do something about the hit and i was like just thinking like oh well i might as well and uh it just kind of came out and uh, i wasn't expecting it to blow up as much as it did yeah like thirty four thousand likes i think on twitter it was perfect and with the photo, too. It was absolutely perfect. Yeah, it was great. And so it was great to have Robert Thomas with us this morning here on 101 ESPN. And we remind you one more time in the holiday season, get in the holiday spirit and please consider donating to our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser to benefit the Little Bit Foundation. You can find it at 101ESPN.com. I've been supporting the Little Bit Foundation for a long time. I've gone into the schools. I've gone into the warehouse to put together the packages for these kids. I know the great work that the Little Bit Foundation does in our community, Randy, and all people need to do is head to 101ESPN.com, donate at least $25, and you're going to get a free 101 ESPN t-shirt as a gift for your donation. But more importantly, your money is going to help the Little Bit Foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to a local student in need. For all the details and to make your donation, visit our 12 Days of T-Shirts tab at 101ESPN.com. And thanks to our presenting sponsor of this campaign, Massage Lux. We're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin next on 101ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. All right, we just got word of this, so we need to expand and get detail on uh, this breaking news that Doug the Dog had a tough night. Tough night, which means (laughs) um, Mama had a tough night. (laughs) Well, Danny Mac still got a pretty good night's sleep. I can right. tell you that. But Doug the dog, he made it pretty tough on Mama. Yeah, he he got into some chocolate. Apparently, I don't know if you like Tanner Michelle don't have kids yet. You know, maybe it'll happen someday. I don't know if you want kids, but sometimes kids, as you know, Randy, and maybe you did this yourself, mm-hmm. um, can leave chocolate or food around the house when they're mm-hmm. deciding to have snacks or watch a football game the night before yep. oh, or the slew basketball game on Saturday night. And uh, Doug the dog just kind of roams the house and finds some goodies. And he got into some last night. And, you know, Doug in that moment thought he hit the jackpot. Oh, he hit he the jackpot. He was so excited until he paid for it later. He did. And he paid for it later, had a little upset tummy. and uh, Poor Doug. Yeah. And... Uh, Mama Mac had a long night. <laughs> Has Doug the dog developed an interest in or a taste for Christmas ornaments yet? 
Uh, Darby Shaw loves yeah. her Christmas ornaments. Really? Oh, yeah. It's not great. So my youngest daughter, um, she wanted to have Christmas lights up, and we were happy to oblige. So my wife and I went out and put the uh, Christmas lights out. I'm trying to find the picture. And uh, within five minutes, Doug the dog on the backlights uh, was tied up so much he couldn't move. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he, he got That's into the awesome. lights. So Doug's just a rascal. He is. He, he There's not a lot of discipline going on with Doug the dog. <laughs> we, we've really not done a good job with Doug the dog. Well, uh, we didn't learn this until our latest, but a field line golden retriever is bred for hunting, right, to go get birds, and they're extraordinarily energetic. And oh, this, yeah. This field line golden that we have, rather than, like, the, the show line or the, the, the other lines, they're... They're the most active that we've ever seen. This guy, uh, yeah, he's finding a lot of stuff that we didn't know we had. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but, yeah, he was tied up in the lights and could not move. <laughs> Poor guy. Five, within five funny. minutes. Five minutes. Do you think that Doug will get into the presents once they go under the tree? We're a little concerned about that. Yeah, yeah. I would be, too. So we have electric uh, uh, indoor things trying to be installed the day of certain rooms oh. he can and cannot go into. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Smart, smart Poor Doug. I ran into a acquaintance, a acquaintance of ours, uh, Randy, and I don't know if you know him, Michelle, or not. It would have been before uh, you were covering the Rams, if you did in their time here in St. Louis, but one Dwayne Lewis. D. Lou, what's he up to? He is the play-by-play voice now of Arkansas Pine Bluff and doing their really? media relations. Yeah. Um, so for folks that don't know, a little insider here, but Dwayne was a longtime assistant PR man to Rick mm-hmm. Smith with the St. Louis Rams, and I uh, get a, a little tap on the shoulder, and hey, uh, Danny, he started doing his <laughs> Rick Smith. I go, Dwayne? Threw a mask, and I, he said, yeah. I said, well, what's going on? And he said, man, it's just great to be back in town. He said, I'm, I'm loving Arkansas and, and the Pine Bluff area, but... Um, uh, we started talking about the Rams and reminiscing. He mm-hmm. said, you know, uh, he, he drove around town. He said he hadn't been here for, oh, I don't know, six or seven years. And um, he said the one thing that um, that people forget is that we really were the envy of the NFL for a, a while there of, of the support that we had from the community. He said that that is not lost on all of us that were here in the heyday and saw some of the great players that came through. And I, I, I thought fans would want to hear that. That's very cool to hear. Yeah. Actually, I was telling Michelle earlier to think about what that team did for the league. People just now, and yesterday, who was it that I said, caught up to uh, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, Had right. a, a record Four games, 100 yards, and a touchdown. That's his fourth of the year. And Torrey Holt was the first to do that. And that wasn't matched until 2004. So Torrey did it in 2014. Torrey did it in 2003. Odell Beckham Jr. did it in 14. Now it's been done twice in the last couple of years. But what the Rams were doing and what Torrey and and Isaac were doing, and Marshall, obviously, and Mahomes is catching Warner now, too, by the way, in a lot of these things. But people around the league hadn't seen it before. Yeah, and we were talking about Torrey's chances to get into um, the Hall of Fame. And he thinks there's a pretty good case for it. And he said he's he's going to have to sit out because it's such a tough position to get mm-hmm. in. And, you know, he's, he's feeling it now because it's just so hard. I mean, there's so many good players to choose from at that position. 
and it, it was a it was really a shame that it took Isaac as long yeah. as it did for him. But he said, when you see that with Isaac, you realize it's going to take a little bit for for Tory. But I guess there's a lot of the folks that still within the Rams organization, the St. Louis Rams organization, that talk, and they, they feel that Tory eventually will get in, which it, is great news. It took until about three weeks ago for Julio Jones to surpass Tory's record for any decade ever for most catches and yards in a decade. That's incredible. Yeah. We forget just how good he was. Yeah, he's, to me, easily a Hall of Famer. I would agree. Because you think about that decade, that's when Marvin Harrison and Terrell Owens and Randy Moss were yeah. at their best, that's and he right. had more catches and yards than any of those it's guys. incredible. Incredible. And then we did the Arkansas <clears throat> slew game, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and... Um, and let's just say slew covered by a wide margin. I was telling Patrick as we were watching early on, I said, I wonder if slew can win this by 80. I don't What was the, f- they, they won by 50 something. Yeah, they won they? by about 50. Yeah. yeah. I, I figured that in, in the first 10 minutes that they would win by like 100 to 20. Like you don't really see, even at that division one level, games dominated that much. And I, it wasn't. Look, I mean, Slew's a really good team. They're, I mean, they're not that great to you. Oh, my goodness, this is a, you know, they're going to win the national championship by what they just did. But having said that, the one thing you do realize in games like that is you see the second wave of players mm-hmm. that they have, and they have uh, competitive players that can play uh, and fill in. Like Linson. Linson has been really good for them so far. Um, I, I think if you look at some of the depth that they have on their bench, they're they're a lot deeper than they have been in any time that Travis has been the head coach. So uh, another game tomorrow night, but they still have one game dangling out there, and they're, they're really trying to, from my understanding, uh, try to find a, a very competitive, if they, you know, top 30, top 20 team if they can, because they they you got to build up your non-conferences mm-hmm. as much as you can. The A-10 has had a really good run so far in non-conference play, but for SLU's specific needs, they're trying to build it up. How about Gonzaga? Oh, no. Oh. That's a shame, too, isn't it? It is, man. And we got the winter meetings this week. we got the virtual winter meetings. I wonder how and Scott Boris yeah, uh, gets okay. into the, those. How does Scott Boris yeah, so weird. worm his way into the virtual winter meetings? Well, he's got the best people, usually. Yeah. So somebody's going to want him, I guess. Who's he got yeah. this year? I mean, really, I don't even know. I mean, last year he he walked away with over a billion dollars right. in contracts. It was something like one point two billion dollars yeah. in contracts. He may have real muto. I'm not sure. I think he does. That was the one I was thinking yeah. that he does. He doesn't have Ozuna anymore. He doesn't no. have Springer. Ozuna's going now with another agent. He switched uh, yeah. again from Yadis Melvin Roman to right. some uh, CAA. He's gone to CNA because they're. They're multi-platform so that if he wants to become an actor, he can do that, too. Well, you you got to be diversified when you're thinking about the end. Right. I, I don't think it's going to be the end very soon for Marcel, but you, you're thinking down the line. So I give him credit if he wants to act. Um, he if, needs the DH in the National I was just going to say, man, if if I'm a player, I'm, I'm getting – if I'm Marcel Ozuna, I am frustrated right now or his agency – um, because you got to you, you got to find out the DH, and it's I think teams can deal with it because they can fill like the Cardinals and National League teams. They didn't build for a DH last year, but you you made it work, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. you had some guys you could plug in, and, and you make it work. But if you're a player, that's your marketplace, and if you say I only have half the teams instead of the full amount um, bidding for my services, and many of those jobs are already spoken for. 
well, that's that makes it a lot tougher to make the kind of money that they might get. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's fair to the player. Um, and then we're talking about what the season. I, I would hope that this week we get a better understanding of what the season could look like. You know, here's option A, here's option B, here's option C. I, I bet we get yeah, some of that I, trickling out too. I would hope so. Hopefully, but they have to start thinking yeah. that way. You got you got spring training, and you know you have Christmas, and then you have spring training, and you know for a lot of those guys after Christmas, uh, it's a week or two, and they're down in Jupiter or mm-hmm. wherever they go, and they that's their they start. I mean, right. So if you're a player, do you? start getting fired up now, like your body, mentally, you kind of start getting locked in if you're not going to start on time. Yeah. You and know, if you don't have a team. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. So maybe what you're going to see is the movement that you would normally get this week, and I, I would anticipate you'll see a little movement, but maybe it, it you don't see the movement like we've been saying from day one until January, early February, when you have an understanding of payrolls, schedule, at least a, a better idea of where you're at, and then some of that those chips start to fall, and the market is set. Do you think Marcel has somebody that hits him fungos so that he can work up? I, I always found him to be Here such an go. expert. Here we up go at the wall. But what, Randy, why do you think he's going to get into a di- to acting? He's going to be Spider Man. <laughs> well, those were a couple of acting moves that he had. And, you know, there was the one in I think it was Milwaukee. I thought his best one was in St. Louis. It was, it was yeah. uh, he was only about four or five feet shy of the ball <laughs> and where he was with the wall. So that was something. That was something. What do we have coming up on scoops? Uh, I think this is going to be kind of fun. I got Victor Rojas. Now, we talked about how Victor uh, is a play-by-play guy for the Angels. So we, we will talk about Albert Pujols. But the real point of, of one, wanting to get him on, and I'm, I'm really good friends with him, is that, and I've talked to him off the air about it, I said, hey, what, let's, let's talk about it on the air. He interviewed for the general manager's job with the, with the Angels, and then he, he wrote on Instagram and, and Twitter, and he, he basically this presentation of, why, why me? Like, ba- essentially saying, why not a guy like mm-hmm. me, but look at me, why, why me? And, and I asked him to walk me through the process and what... Um, what it was like. And so it's kind of fun to hear uh, what he's going to have to say. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thanks. Hey, and if you missed anything on today's show, please check out our podcast brought to you by I Promise. Find that at 101ESPN.com. Thanks to our producer engineer, Tanner Hendrickson. Thank you. Michelle, great job as always. Thanks, Randy. See you tomorrow. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. For all of us until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.